in between fantasy football podcast season four let's go baby yeah there was a time i had trouble talking about it congratulate them we know they doubted somehow we made it up out the pit back against the wall never quit traversing through each obstacle show a non-believer what's possible let nothing they could do stand in between me and my wildest dreams let's go and that come at us to come in between life gave me the worst yet my side grew so green we've been down in the dirt been tossed in the trash but i never stray from my path when we're gone we ain't looking back maybe we were all way too high maybe that's our fault it's gonna be a crazy time but it's gonna be a fun time life is boring if you don't take some chances and do some things outside the box your destination for both some feel good lifestyle advice and some fancy football advice all right all right all right welcome in everyone it is august 31st 2022, and can you believe it? The NFL absolutely flown by. Thank you to every one of the in between family members who've been riding with us throughout it. We've had to talk about controversy and a lot of you know, fill a lot of time during this offseason dead air. We are back tonight. Nate Polvote, Jen Polvote, the Polvote clan. We also have Scott Rainier back in the building, full house for you tonight. And guys, as football is just around the corner, our fate is just around the corner as well as analysts. We put a lot of time into our projections, to our analysis, our columns, our podcasts, all the information we give to you. We spend a lot and a lot of good time um, on it. So uh, tonight we're going to face the music. We're going to go all in on some players. We're going to tell you who our guys are for the 2022 season are going to be. Um, super excited about this, guys. We've had Probably, you know, uh, some of our best shows ever have been our all-in shows. So we're back at it tonight. Jen, I want to start with you. Ladies first. How are you feeling tonight? Um, last season was kind of tricky for all of us with all-ins, fighting COVID, fighting injuries, and everything in between here. Yeah, I'm good, man. I mean, excited for our home draft that starts immediately following this show. So <laughs> excited for that. It'll, I mean, I think that'll round out the 12 I'm in I managed to slim down this year so I'm excited absolutely Nate how are you feeling um it, all ins haven't been your thing these last couple years let's be honest I don't know if they've been any of ours um can you redeem yourself tonight my friend I think I can <clears throat> the guys I'm picking I think that there's solid reasons why these guys are gonna hit this year <clears throat> I've done my research I'm confident and look I did hit on one guy that a lot of people you were fading last season. You did. So you to did. be fair, thank yes. you. Yes. Scott, what about you, my friend? Last year was your first year picking all-ins. It didn't work out the way you wanted. Injuries kind of hit you early and often in 2021. First of all, season starts next week or whatever. Let's, Let's ride. ride. <laughs> I haven't taken this yeah. shit off since the expo. Yeah, my all-ins, I mean, like, we can always blame injury, but I'm going to somewhat blame injury. It's hard to tell if my all-ins would have panned out if Chris Carson hadn't unfortunately hurt his neck, which ultimately ended in his retirement. And Robert Woods, was he was off to a solid, not stellar start before he, uh, before he was hurt and out for the season. So we'll see. We'll see how it goes this year. Yeah. And guys, in addition to our all-ins tonight, we are also going to be talking about NFL Cut Day and some of the other transactions around the leagues. 
you know, it's a very hard day, I feel like, for a lot of people who are inside the NFL during the cut day because NFL dreams are ruined. You know, they're shattered. A lot of people are heading back to their hometown, selling insurance, um, selling houses, whatever you may be. Um, But a lot of dreams are also coming true at the same time. People are making teams. People are switching teams. Trades are happening. So we're going to talk about all that. Um, We got a comment here from Udo in the chat. Loving the Hawaiian shirt. Hey, it was the all-in episode, guys. Had to bring it out for you. We got Brad Bull all the way from Australia. Appreciate you, Brad. Always good to see you. We got our guy Royal Slade, Albert in here. All the good IBT family members, we appreciate you guys. If you are new to In Between Media, please hit that subscribe button, guys. We got fantasy football uh, shows coming for you three times a week now. Um, We also have uh, NASCAR all the way through the end of the season. Um, We got DFS action coming for you as well. So, guys, it's going to be a packed season. Let's go ahead and jump into it with front and center. Sometimes taking that first step out the door is the hardest thing to do. All right. And before we jump into front and center, I also want to give a little shout out to our audio editor, Kyle, who is always in the back end of these shows. He makes us sound a little better on the non-live version. Kyle, how are you doing tonight, brother? Oh, I'm doing stellar, Seth. Happy to be here. Glad to hear it, man. How are you feeling about those Packers, your Packers, your Seahawks? Uh, I know you kind of dolly dip into a couple of those teams over there. How are you feeling about them coming into the year? Well, it's tough to tell, especially after hearing that Joe Rogan episode with uh, Aaron Rodgers, you know, and the Seahawks are not looking good. So uh, at least the Mariners are good. There we go. Look at Kyle always looking on the bright side. That's why he's a member of IBT, guys. Um, Let's start with our first headline of the night. Jimmy G renegotiates with the San Francisco 49ers with a deal worth of up to $15.45 million if he plays this season. All right, this throws a wrench in what we are expecting the Trey Lance situation to be. Jimmy G, of course, was practicing on the side all preseason, and now he enters back in the fold. Scott, what does this mean for Trey Lance moving forward? Are you scared to draft him currently going QB 13 on ESPN? No, this really doesn't change my outlook on Lance at all. Um, I mean, I feel like we've been – speculating that Jimmy G was going to be traded for so long that it feels like he already was, but he's been on the team all off season. I don't think this is a move to create, you know, create that quarterback back competition out of nothing. I think, and Nate, I think agrees with me. We've talked about it a little bit, but this does make it easier actually by restructuring his deal for a trade to happen. If a trade still transpires, there's still been the same rumors, the Seahawks and other teams Um, But I still personally think that Trey Lance is the starter all season, barring injury. Um, And, you know, if they don't make a trade happen, then, you know, having having Garoppolo as your backup is not that bad of a consolation prize, a capable backup with what they have going in San Francisco. But I don't think that they did this to then now potentially start him over Lance. I think it's Lance's job. And I still think QB 13 is a steal. Nate, is that how you're feeling as well? 
Um, Jimmy G coming back more in that backup role just in case something is to happen to Trey Lance, who obviously is a little more mobile, more injury risk to him. So I think, yes, temporarily. But as soon as something happens, there's an injury, a team's looking for depth at quarterback because of whatever reason, I think that they're on the phone with San Francisco and Jimmy G's probably gone. They shaved. So he was due around $60 million between the 2022 and 2023 season on his past contract, restructuring it. He's only due $6.5 million in 22. They shaved a year off and shaved $55 million off his deal. So... Yeah, no, this deal is for him. this tar- terrible deal, but the guy wants to start. So if yeah. you want to start, you make yourself tradable. And that's exactly what Jimmy G and his agent and the 49ers did. Smart move. And they still, if they can't trade him, they've got a somewhat inexpensive backup with starting experience. Jen, you've always kind of aired on the side of, you know, locker room. And you've always kind of paid, paid attention to those tangibles. Um, a lot of times, you know, kind of siding with, with those types of players. Does this worry you at all that maybe this creates some controversy in the locker room? Trey Lance stunk his last preseason game. Let's be honest here, Jen. And if he comes out and he stinks it up here in week one, week two, I mean, they do have the Bears in week one, so maybe they they get by there. But are you worried that if if Lance doesn't show up early here, Kittle, other people in the locker room might start chirping about this? I don't think so. I mean, Jimmy G is still going to be there. He's had such a positive attitude. I mean, calling himself the backup to go from a backup in New England behind Tom Brady to getting the starting job in San Francisco to having injuries. I mean, his win percentage is insane when he is, when he is starting Um, for him to just be happy about remaining with the 49ers. I think that's going to do a lot for the, rest of the locker room because they're like, well, if Trey Lance sucks, you know, and we got to have Jimmy G start, we all love him. He's great as long as he's healthy. So I'm not worried about that. I mean, I don't, I think he's far too high as QB 13 and in some places he's going QB nine, which I think is just absolutely insane finishing above all these other elite quarterbacks. Um, So I think it's, it's too soon to, I don't know. I will not draft him unless I absolutely have to. Yeah, I just, I mean, the, the price is a little high. I think obviously the upside is there with the rushing. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, Kirk Cousins is going in like the last round of ESPN redrafts. And I have Kirk as a QB one. So I might be with Jen. I might be, you know, taking a safer option there. So it, it seems like consensus here. We're not overall worried about this, but but Jen's still probably not drafting Trey Lance. I'm probably not as well. Um, Scott or Nate, you guys have any Trey Lance shares in redraft this season? I don't, but it's not for lack of trying. In my first home league, I was waiting on QB, waiting on QB, and I got a little too cute, and I didn't take Lance in the 10th, and then he went two picks before me in the 11th. I just I have a different outlook on Lance. I mean, we haven't seen anything from Lance. We haven't seen anything from Jalen Hurts last year, and I think Trey Lance is a better thrower than Jalen Hurts and an equal or better runner. So I just think with all the hype that Jalen Hurts has gotten after a very small sample size, I'm willing in fantasy football to take a risk on the ceiling that could be there with Trey Lance with that offense, with that rushing floor. That's just, it could bite me in the ass. It's bitten me in the butt in past seasons going after people like Trey Lance too early. But, you know, I mean, that's how, that's one way you can get gain an advantage in your league is getting a guy like that. It's much like the regular NFL. If you draft, you know, if you're paying a rookie quarterback and he hits, you can focus elsewhere. It's, it's, it's the same. 
And I mean, Kirk Cousins is, I do have some Kirk Cousins shares. He's got, he's a guy I target in the later rounds, but Kirk Cousins isn't going to give you that advantage. He is going no. to be good enough compared to the other quarterbacks. You might have some sneaky team. upside this year mm-hmm. just because some of Kevin upside, O'Connell. But I'm just I really like, and that's what I like. I like him with Kevin O'Connell, Seth. And that's a really good point. I've come around on Kirk Cousins because of Kevin I know, O'Connell. I had to, yeah, had to pinch myself with that one. Um, I'm just saying he doesn't have, he doesn't have the ceiling that Trey Lance could have, though. I'm just that's all I'm true. Saying. True. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Well, guys, we'll close the book here on Trey Lance. We are just, you know, a little under a week or over a week away from seeing him in live action. That question will hopefully get some uh clarity against the Bears in week one. Let's move forward. At Chicago, then home home against the Seahawks. Correct. So he's got a soft landing. Yes, he does. Two, two weeks. Yep, absolutely. Guys, let's go ahead and move forward to Nate's favorite wide receiver. One of them, I should say. Uh, Jaguars trade LaVisca Chenault Jr. to the Panthers for a seventh rounder and a sixth rounder. Does this matter for anyone? Um, Scott, yeah, did you have something there? No, I just, I was just saying Visca. Yeah, I mean, get the Visca shirts locked and loaded, get the Visca um, thumbnails, whatever everyone was rocking a couple years ago, get them out. To me, on the surface, if anything, and Nate, you kind of highlighted this a little bit. Um, in your column earlier this week that maybe this bumps up Marvin Jones a little bit. I think I have more faith in Christian Kirk, Zay Jones, those guys than I did before. Um, but Nate, starting with you, um, first, does it mean anything for LaVisca or Carolina? And then uh, talk about the repercussions over there in Jacksonville, please. So, I mean, I, I as a Visca truther, someone who loves him, I hope this is good for him. I don't have a lot of high hopes. He's probably the fourth or fifth receiving option in that offense. If we're being honest, unless they, we've heard they might be shopping Robbie Anderson though, which is interesting. That could change how I feel about this, but really, I mean, you're not drafting him in redraft. Like let's be real. Unless you're in some weird redraft league where it's like a 30 round draft. He's, he's not getting drafted. I just, even in deeper dynasty leagues, like he's almost not worth holding on to anymore. I think his value slipped enough, but if he's healthy this season, who knows what could happen. And Baker Mayfield, maybe can do something for him. As far as Jacksonville goes, I don't think it really means anything. So I don't think he was going to be a part of this offense anyway. I don't think there was any iteration of this Doug Peterson team that was going to have LaVisca Chenault in any sort of major role that would have been fantasy relevant. Wow. Look at Nate there. Look at himself in the mirror, checking his biases. I appreciate that analysis there, Nate. I'm on board with what you're saying. Jen, do you agree with your husband here? I do. I mean, when you're talking about the, wide receiver room in Carolina with you, you've got DJ Moore, you've got Robbie Anderson. And, and I mean, Nate said that there are rumors. I hadn't heard those of Robbie Anderson possibly going elsewhere, but I mean, Baker Mayfield's teamed up with Richard Higgins again, Terrace Marshall. I mean, yep. there's just no real Great room point. for him there. You know, I mean, and Baker's fired up. He is fired up. And I don't see that he's fired up for Chenault. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, the the Higgins connection, it's a great point there. Scott, you yeah. on board here with us leaving LaVisca at the station one last time heading into 22 here. First of all, I just want to point out our colleague or husband, Nate Polvo. If, if people think that fantasy analysts like get take lock, stick to their biases in a five minute span, he has propped up Kirk Cubbins, Cousins, propped down LaVisca <laughs> Chanel. Ah, so, boy, Nate. I ah, boy. deserves like... <laughs> Hey, yes, sir. I don't know. I just want to be right. The integrity award. No, it's just new information. I can change my mind. Change, you know, like yeah. Too many people are just like, 
call some guy trash and then they just stick to that forever, no matter what. Well, thanks, with man. Levis- I appreciate that. I try Levis- and be fluid. With LaVisca, I'm in agreement. Um, I'm not drafting him in redraft. For me, it's a, it's a wait and see, maybe, maybe a waiver ad at some point, but I'm not drafting him. In Dynasty, though, like a change of scenery and being farther removed from whatever that was with Urban Meyer for all Jacksonville Jaguars involved, change of scenery you know i'm willing to hold on to him like at the end of my dynasty bench and see what happens i'm not just gonna i'm not just gonna if i still have him if i haven't dropped him yet right um i'm probably gonna just see what happens i don't have high hopes but i mean you never know you never know when somebody changes teams changes scenery changes quarterbacks um maybe maybe this coaching staff will have a have more success unlocking his skill set i don't know well and if it could get interesting if christian mccaffrey gets hurt again he because won't. I just drafted could. him. He's not going to get hurt. <laughs> oh, then he'll then he'll definitely. But I haven't drafted him. No, so he won't get hurt. You're good. Um, yeah, but, if, but if CMC gets hurt, yeah. like Lavisca, because we've seen him used in that slash role. They used him that slash role in college at CU. They used him that slash role in Jacksonville. He could be. He could uh, pop off if oh Christian God. McCaffrey were to uh, get hurt. Like I think, and I think that that's something we have to consider. If he does get hurt, like this, he might be a valuable wa- wa- waiver wire ad down the line. Yep. Okay. Don't write him off completely. Well, another wide receiver trade recently happened as well. And we have people, the IBT fam in the comments already bringing this up. Like they knew where we were going next. Jalen Rager traded to the Vikings for a seventh round pick and a conditional fourth rounder. This is the same Jalen Rager drafted in the first round of the 2020 draft out of TCU. Rager failed to make an impact early in Philadelphia, despite being drafted over Justin Jefferson, Michael Pittman, you name it. A lot of guys fell. Um, Rager did not. I mean, first of all, let's just have a moment of silence for like this. I mean, Howie is great. He always knows what he's doing over there in Philly. He has won this offseason. But take a moment of silence for that draft pick, man. Yeah, that's first- Rounder that's some wrong. that's some Patriots level wide receiver drafting. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> so, what does this mean? Anything? Because I mean, I still like KJ Osborne. I'm still hanging on to him in some deeper redrafts. I think he can be relevant. Jalen Rager to me comes in as the fourth wide receiver. I don't think you'll see see the field too much outside of four wide receiver sets. Jen, are you with me on that, or do you have different opinions on Rager here? Yeah, a thousand percent. There's again, kind of like Chenault, there's no room for him. I mean, they've already got Justin Jefferson, Adam Thielen, KJ Osborne, like you said. I mean, he's been a wah wah since (laughs) he got into the league. Like, sad. And like you said, take that moment because there were such high hopes for him and he didn't practically nothing in his 2020 campaign. And in 2021, he came out hot first game and then fizzled on out again. I mean, it just, it, that just sucks, man. And I, I feel for him. I feel for anyone who has them on their team. And there's just three other players that are ahead of him for the ball. And I think, you know, this might go back to what Nate said about Carolina. Maybe he's just an insurance policy in case a Thielen were happen to go back yeah. down again. Um, and any relevance here, Scott, whether it's with the Vikings or the Eagles, because it doesn't really move the needle for me. It gives me a little more confidence in Devonta Smith, I think, if anything. No, I mean, to me, like Spin said, I, it's similar to Visca in a way, except I'm even less excited about Rager. 
potentially doing that in Minnesota. Just don't don't tell the KJ Osborne stands that Rager's going to infringe on his target share. But don't tell me. Um, <laughs> no, I mean my, the most surprising thing about this, honestly, even though Rager was a first round pick not too long ago, is the Eagles getting a fourth out of it. I mean, that's to me, that's, that's yeah, pretty good. I mean, I, for for cutting bait on somebody that's been a bust, like getting that conditional fourth round pick, that's that's not nothing. I don't, I don't, I just don't see him being relevant. I see him as depth, depth in their wide receiver room. That's basically it. It's funny. The Eagles always get these like conditional, conditional picks, you know, and they normally hit him like the Carson Wentz one to Indy last year and a couple of these other ones. They normally end up on top of them. Howie's always kind of been known to throw a conditional pick in there. So I agree with you, Nate, uh, or with you, Scott. Nate, any final thoughts on Jalen Rager? Probably you know, might be the last time we talk about him all season. I mean, his PFF grades, 54.1, his rookie season, 64.9, his sophomore season, last season. So he's got 10 points better a season. I mean, maybe he gets a little bit better, but I just don't think that there's an opportunity in this offense. I mean, he's at best the fifth or sixth option Okay, for Kirk Cousins. Because I mean, you've still got Irv Smith. You've got Dalvin Cook. Like these guys didn't just disappear. I, he's going to throw to them first. Well, so, and no. I mean, and one other thing to add is, you know, he hasn't really had stifling competition with Philly, you right. know, to, that has, you know, you, you can't blame it on, oh, well, he had studs in front of him. So he didn't, you know, so I just he got supplanted by Travis Fulgham. I don't have guys. Much faith. Travis Fulgham. Yeah. Yep. No. Royal, Royal Slade did bring up a good point that it's a conditional fourth. So we don't know that it's a fourth. True. Yeah, I was just going to ask, does anyone know the conditions at all? Yep. I'm not sure. I'm not sure the conditions on that. Maybe if Kyle has a chance in the back end, he can find those conditions for us and let us know. Um, But thus, guys, let's move on to some news that might be a little more relevant for us here. Marlon Mack, cut by the Texans. Um, I don't think a lot of us saw this one coming, to be honest. I think, you know, this was a little more of a surprise. It broke Twitter, of course, because, you know, Damian Pierce, RB1. What doesn't break Twitter? (laughs) Absolutely. I mean, already broken Twitter. I don't understand why this rebroke Twitter. It doesn't make sense to me. Anyway. Yeah. Ahead. Yeah. No, I, yeah, I, I couldn't even get on Twitter yesterday actually for a little bit. Cause I just kept reading Damien Pierce. I almost had to go mute the word, honestly. Um, <laughs> but guys, to me, this doesn't mean a ton. I, I had Marlon Mack projected for about 60 or 70, 70 carries. I'm going to obviously favor, uh, favor Pierce when I give out, you know, more carries to him. But I think this makes Rex Burkhead just, you know, that much more sexier, man. We've been saying it all offseason. Sexy Rexy, he was kind of the guy I wanted to add all offseason. I've been getting him, you know, dead last round in drafts on the waiver wire before week one. I think it boosts Rex maybe a little more than it does Pierce. But I think I need to look at myself in the mirror a little bit on this one and say I think I was too low on Pierce. I just never liked the rushing totals in college. Never saw over 106 carries in his years at Florida. So I was a little concerned. Um Scott, you you're smirking down there, so I I, I think maybe you've been a little higher on Pierce than I have been. Um, no, like Pierce has become kind of the running back version light of Gabe Davis in the Twitter debates. Um, yeah, you know, I mean, like he does have he's he's a rookie that has shown well in the preseason, and he now has a starting job with an NFL team. So that I, I'm not ignoring that. I'm not. I'm not just going to fade him into oblivion just because I'm stubborn. But I also, you know, it's not just his lack of volume in college. It's it was his advanced rushing statistics in college. They were not great. Um, and 
you know, I mean, I've heard different people talking about, you know, University of Florida doesn't necessarily mean that his lack of production doesn't necessarily mean that he wasn't good enough. They just don't know how to use running backs. Sure, maybe. Um, but I mean, I don't see him as much more than kind of a low end RB2, high end flex. Um, he's still playing for a pretty bad team. Rex Burkhead is a very capable passing down back. So I don't think it's going to be just this three, three down juggernaut. Um, and, you know, there's, I just, I, I get it. Um, I get the excitement for a rookie running back that's going to start, but I'm just trying to look past that shininess of it. And I'm just, I'm not super high on him. This is also, I, I didn't really talk about Marlon Mack at all, did I? Well, I mean, <laughs> yes, because this is the impact of Marlon Mack, because now we have to talk about Damian Pierce. Thanks, Lovey Smith. <sighs> I'll just say, at the end of the day, this is a Texans team. We're not projecting to score a whole lot this year, guys. So outside of Brandon Cooks, I don't have a lot invested in the Texans. Um, Jen, are you taking Pierce at all this season? Is he someone you're interested in? Um, he, he has been climbing up draft boards here as of late. Yeah, unfortunately, the majority of my drafts, the the meat of my drafts were done way earlier um, in the preseason. So, I mean, I've got my eye on him, but I'm not super stoked. Like you said, outside of Brandon Cooks, I'm not really that thrilled with anybody in Houston. So, yeah, I have nothing to say about him besides there's more talk about him. He is the shiny new thing. Like Scott said, a lot of the analysts out there are very um, there's a dichotomy to him. So I'll stay away until he proves himself, grab him off of waivers. Yeah. See what I, he does. I'm just going to throw a couple names out there that Damian Pierce is going ahead of in ESPN redrafts right now. Ramondre Stevenson, Damian Harris, Chase Edmonds, AJ Dillon, Rashad Penny, James Cook. That's I, crazy. I, Definitely. I mean, in front of AJ Dillon is absolutely absurd. He should go nowhere near AJ Dillon. Um, Ramondre even too. And I think Chase Edmonds should be above him. So I, I think more realistically, you're looking at it, you know, and Scott kind of put, put it perfectly like an RB three, a mid tier RB three. And don't forget Rex Burkhead. He's going to take a lot of that pass catching work too. Rex Burkhead is a damn good running back. Um, Nate, anything else to to say here on uh, Damian Pierce? Yeah, Rex Burkhead was the team's leading rusher last season. He only started five games, but he had 122 touches for 427 yards. And y'all are excited about Damian Pierce as a running back? This is a terrible running team. Terrible running team. There is no reason to be excited about anyone who doesn't have pass-catching upside because they're not going to be able to run the ball well. I, I, I like Damian Pierce's talent. I think eventually he gets there, but let's pump the brakes here. He's a rookie behind a mediocre offensive line, got a little bit better getting Larry B. Tunsil back. But Rex Burkhead led the team in rushing with 427 yards. Let's yep. pump the brakes on Damian Pierce. And I'm bummed for Marlon Mack. I hope he lands somewhere, but I don't think he's going to ever be fantasy relevant. Look at that, man. Nate's keeping it 100 tonight. Nate Nate came in saying, I'm taking no prisoners. I'm putting people in their place. I told you I was coming in for blood in the all-in episode, <laughs> Nate. You came in for blood, my friend. I respect it. Well, thanks. Guys, let's move forward, though. A couple running backs have been cut this week as well. Sony Michelle cut by the Dolphins and then signed with the Chargers. This is one I think we maybe should keep a little bit of an eye on. That RB2 role has kind of been up for grabs there. 
Some were thinking it might be maybe Isaiah Spiller, the rookie. Some also thought it could have been Josh Kelly, who he's kind of been a stinker his whole career too, honestly. Um, very, very inefficient running back. Are you guys interested in Sony Michelle end of bench stash? Um, I just picked him up in a couple of my deeper redrafts. Am I crazy, Scott? Um, no, I don't think you're crazy. The Chargers offense is it's good to have pieces of the Chargers offense for one. Two, the Chargers have had a hell of a time the last two years. We'll see about this year trying to find that hammer, you yes. know, to Austin Eckler's nail. Right. They tried with Kelly. They tried with Roundtree with no D in it. Should be Roundtree, but it's just Roundtree for some reason. Yeah, I, yeah, um, I hate that name. And Isaiah Spiller, which you know had a lot of hype until he showed very poorly at the combine, and you know there's preseason you know pre camp talk about him not even having that role secured and michelle played i thought sony michelle played well last year when he had the when he had the kind of that gig when daryl henderson got hurt with the rams so a range of outcomes could easily be that he at least for a part of this season is that guy behind um behind austin eckler and i mean it's good for the miami situation too gets him out of there i mean it, it bumps up chase edmonds value in my opinion um so I'm keeping my eye on it. I don't have any problem with drafting him late. Um, kind of a see what happens deal. Yeah. I To me, like, there needs to be carries. The carries have to go somewhere. And before this, I had, like, Roundtree projected for 53 carries, Kelly projected for 24, just because there were carries. And, like, Eckler's not going to see more than 220, 225, you know? So, like, I just didn't know where to put the carries. I gave 86 to Isaiah Spiller, and I still had like 60 left it's over him. It's so hard to project the non-Eckler carries for the yeah. Chargers. It's, yeah. just, it's just throwing darts at a wall. So, Jen, are you thinking that Sony sees, you know, 100-plus carries and has some fantasy relevance down the stretch here without an Eckler injury? Uh, no, that's hard, for, that's hard for me to see without the injury, sadly, mm. because I love – I love Sony Michelle. Like I've always loved him. I've loved him since he was drafted, you know, like I've, I've really liked him and he just, I mean, has had an opportunity and didn't have an opportunity, didn't have an opportunity, had an opportunity. Um, and I don't see that he'll have the opportunity that he needs to prove himself. I mean, it could be two years left with him before yeah. he's just kind of faded out of the league. Yep. Agreed. Agreed. Nate, you want to wrap a bow on that one? Or is there anything left to say about old Sony? It's, it, he's been around now a couple of places. So I think that he might have some early relevance, like one, two, three weeks, four weeks, maybe. They kind of break Spiller into that, the role that they want him in. I think Michelle's going to fill that role until they feel like Spiller's 100% ready. That could be week one. And Sony Michelle's just not relevant at all. It could be week two, it could be week three, it could be week four. We'll have to see. I think there's some early season relevance without an injury past like week four. No, there's no reason to have him on your roster. Okay. And other irrelevant running back news, Kenyon Drake signs with the Ravens guys. And actually this might be a little more relevant. Um, Obviously JK Dobbins, he's should be ready for week one here. Um, But it hasn't been a, been a great preseason for him so far. Kind of just getting back Gus Edwards on the PUP list. So Gus will be out for the first, at least four games. Um, 
So does this move the needle for anyone? Mike Davis in that backfield, Tyler Batty, a rookie who Scott highlighted earlier this season in a column, um, very good column, very insightful on Batty, who was you know pretty good running back, under underrated. Nate, um, Kenyon Drake, is he rosterable? Is Mike Davis rosterable here early in the season as we wait for Gus Edwards to come back, as we wait for J.K. Dobbins to get back to 100% as well? So I've read a couple of things over the last few days that indicate that they, I don't think that Harbaugh is necessarily sure that Dobbins is going to be ready to start week one. He may start the season on the pup list. They have a while to decide that they can do some more evaluation, but they signed Drake because they don't know if Dobbins is going to be ready. I think if Dobbins was going to be ready, they probably wouldn't have signed Kenyon Drake. Doesn't really make a whole lot of sense because you don't need him when you're going to get Gus Edwards back week four. But Harbaugh also doesn't want to roll out with Mike Davis. He was never supposed to be the guy. He was supposed to be a change of pace back. I think that this means something. And I think that there's a chance that if Kenyon Drake plays well enough in this offense and he gels with Lamar Jackson, he might be able to cement himself a a permanent role, a significant role in this offense over Gus Edwards and J.K. Dobbins. I mean, we did see Devonta Freeman kind of launch into relevancy. He was my sure thing sleeper, what, three or four times last year, Nate. Mm-hmm. I kept going back to him. Something that came across my feed, too, that I did want to point out, I don't know if there's any relevance to this because we've heard, you know, JK's fired back at Rapshi earlier this summer as well. Um, but here from Jonas Schaefer on Twitter earlier, JK Dobbins with a pretty noticeable limp after a drill. So uh, that was earlier today, 540 that came across my Twitter feed. Um, so something to keep in mind there. I don't know if that's true. I don't, I'm just reading what Jonas Schaefer is saying here. Um, but you know, he seems like a, a decently reliable beat reporter, Jen, Kenyon Drake, Mike Davis, Tyler Batty, JK Dobbins, Gus Edwards. What can you make sense of this for me, please? I mean, I really like that Kenyon Drake found a landing spot. I think that, um, Baltimore is a decent spot for him, especially with injuries, especially with uncertainty. I mean, when Kenyon Drake gets the ball, it's kind of 50-50 as to whether or not he's going to do something with it. But when he does something, he does something. So if Lamar Jackson can get him the ball, he can hang on to it. I think he's a good addition, you know, on a temporary. And if he can prove himself in the first four or five weeks, then, I mean, like Nate said, I think he has a, a really good chance of, potentially cementing himself as a solid player there. I mean, he's, he's just two fifty fifty, but I think it's, mm-hmm. I'm glad he found somewhere, you know? Mm-hmm. Okay. The poll votes like the play of Kenyon Drake. Scott, are you in with them as well? First of all, thank you for shouting out my column about Tyler Batty. Um, but he did get waived and signed to the practice squad. So Batty I just is not dropped really, him today. Yeah. He's not really part of the equation anymore. Um, I think out of all the people we've talked about, this Kenyon Drake has the best chance to be fantasy relevant immediately. Um, it all it obviously all hinges on J.K. Dobbins' health, but it's a good point that you, you know making this move. I mean, maybe making this move is more about Gus Edwards' health, and Dobbins mm-hmm. is going to be fine, and they need that depth when, after releasing Batty. I don't know. All I know is that if the season starts and Dobbins is not ready to go, Kenyon Drake to me is much better option than Mike Davis. Uh, but Drake could be an RB four or five in that offense over the first four or five weeks. They, Cause they're going to run the ball a ton. Yeah. But you don't want to come out of your season, you know, ripping an RB four or five, but it is good to have on the team on your team, you know, add that mm-hmm. depth for sure. Um, yeah. I mean, I'm just, I'm just saying that like, if, if Dobbins is not playing, Gus Edwards on the pup, Batty's on the practice squad, you know, you've got Drake, Mike Davis and justice Hill, you know, 
I think with everybody healthy, it's a freaking crapshoot with that backfield. Yep. But if Dobbins ends up missing two, three games and it's Drake and Mike Davis and Justice Hill, I, I'd put my money on Drake in that group. Fair enough. Yeah. We, we, we uh, do have a comment here from Dame Overboard. So his limp, quote limp, was uh, was with the other leg from what uh, they saw. And then uh, also um, seemed like a tight quad from the happy feet drill. So good to it's know. Enough. Hopefully it's nothing too serious. We don't need any more injuries to J.K. Dobbins or the Ravens. They I really been- hope not. I, I'm rooting for J.K. Dobbins so hard. Like I've loved him ever since he came in the league and we just haven't really been able to see it. I really want to see mm-hmm. it. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep, I am with you there, guys. Um, before we jump into our all-ins, just wanted to give a shout-out to everyone watching live tonight. Um, if you're new to the In-Between Media channel, please consider subscribing. We have some great fantasy football, fantasy NASCAR content coming coming your guys' way. Also, some lifestyle content. Cooking with Sven, always around as well. So uh, we're going to be cooking up some good stuff as well over here at IBT Media this season. We hope you follow along with us. Let's go ahead and move forward, though, to the all-ins. And we normally have drops here for every all of our segments. This is just a once a year segment, so we don't have a drop, but we can sing a song. Um, <laughs> and it, I would love, I would love to see it. in the comments what song should we sing for a drop. He, he um, did it to us anyways. I did. I did. I put you guys on the spot. Um, it's fine. What about, we're gonna lose. I told you we're gonna lose subscribers, Seth. When they hear hey, me singing, they're gonna walk away. This is gonna wake little, up my cat. And a little bit of chicken fried. Don't know Cold that beer song. on Thank a Friday God. night. Pair of jeans that fit just right. No? Nobody. No. Well, All we're right. not country fans in this house. So. You guys are un-American. It's my head on Russell Wilson's body. Funny. You guys are un-American. Do not <laughs> un-American. Whoa. I like what Brad said. All I do is win by DJ Khaled. That's a better one. But we're past. Yeah, but, the moment is past. And in our all-ins, we're not winners. How about What's Poppin' by Jack Harlow? You guys want to sing that real quick? I don't know. I don't know what that is. I don't know what that is. I know who he is, but I'm supposed to be. I'm supposed to be. I know what the song is, but I don't know the lyrics. I'm supposed to be the young hip one, and and Scott's out here throwing out current music. I'm I'm just. I'm just trying to stay young, man. (laughs) Trying to stay hip by listening to the hippity hoppity. Well, you don't look like a day over twenty-one, my friend. (laughs) The hippity hoppity. Well, guys, let's go ahead and jump in then. Um, tequila by the champs, you know what I'm saying? Yes. Moment is still here. Okay, That's Sweet Caroline. One. That's a good one. Sweet Caroline. Sweet that was a Caroline good one. almost toppled that bar in Canton. Oh, when man. Jorge sang it. it that, I could feel the floorboards. About oh, that, that was, was That was tight. That was tight, man. Yeah, that was a great, great moment. He added to it. Like, I like the people who, like, they don't just, like, sing the karaoke song, but they add, like, their own personal flair to it, you know? He was mentioning fantasy football and can stuff and it just I like that man. I'm not a karaoke guy though. I wish I was. I, I just can't like I think I need a lot of alcohol in my system to do it. And I don't I think, think I had that much. I sing along with Jorge. Everybody? Oh yeah, Jorge too. Yeah, yeah. no, I sing along with everybody because I had been drinking all day. Nate See, was the hype man. Nate was Nate. If you guys ever want to go to a karaoke night, oh my god! First of all, get me. You have to get me. You have to get me boozed up, or it's not going to be as fun. I can yeah, promise get, you ben, that. Ben asked if I could give you two a ride home, and then we didn't leave for like an hour and a half. Yeah, that's classic Jen and Nate, though. That I mean, yes, yep, yep. I and agree. that was Jorge's fault. Hey. 
Yeah, I mean, someone had to bring the party, and Jorge might as well. It was fun for me because, like, I was like, okay, I'm taking Jen and Nate back. I'm going to say my goodbyes. So I said all my goodbyes, and then I hung around for an hour and a half. Everybody's like, wait. What are you still doing here? It was great. It was fun. Awesome. All right, guys. Let's go ahead and jump into the all-in picks here. Um, Nate, we're going to start with you tonight. You're going to be the first person to come up with their all-in picks. And – we are keeping track of these all-in picks. This is something we like to track. We like, you know, we like to come back at the end of the year and say, where were we right? Where were we wrong? Um, Nate, and it starts here with you. All the way back in 2020 when you first joined IBT, um, you were on Philip Lindsay and OBJ. They, I mean, OBJ, another injury-filled season for him, disappointed it then in 2020. Philip Lindsay, just really the start of the downfall for him that season. Um, but you, you know, rally back a little bit last season, Matthew Stafford, QB six, you were hot on Stafford. Um, you're also hot on Mr. John Smith. Um, the- I wasn't the only one. Let's be fair here. Like <laughs> but Pat were- Fitzmorris loved him too. Uh, okay. Matthew you- Barry loved him. You I wasn't fall- the only one. He you were made following sense. the hype. You were following the hype of, Ma- of well, John Smith. Well, you were also following the money because you don't typically pay a tight end that much to hashtag not do shit. Especially a guy who was a phenomenal receiving tight end half of the season in Tennessee. But, you know, it is what it is. It's fun. Process over results. We right? all make mistakes. Well, Nate, this is your chance for redemption, my friend. Give us one of your two all-ins here and kick it off for the IBT family, baby. Well, I'm going to start with one that's not going to piss you off. Um, J.D. McKissick. Uh, And this is really simple. I'll be very brief about why I like him so much. In 2020, when he was healthy and played all 16 games, he had 110 targets. He was the overall RB17 that season, and that was Gibson's rookie year. So, like, I'm just saying, they aggressively pursued him this offseason, so much so that he had a handshake deal with Buffalo, and they yanked him back. So Buffalo took James Cook out of – Wentz's 516 pass attempts last season in Indy, 240 were nine yards or less. That's McKissick's wheelhouse. That's where he loves to catch the ball, and that's where Wentz is going to need someone to catch the ball because he's a terrible quarterback who shouldn't be in the NFL. And seriously, like, he's going to – Logan – you know who's going to eat in this offense? Logan Thomas and J.D. McKissick. And with Brian Robinson out, sadly, um, and Antonio Gibson basically being nothing more than a kick returner, J.D. McKissick is going to get volume the first four or five weeks of the season. And if that goes well, Ron Rivera is smart enough to ride that player through the season. I think J.D. McKissick is a guy where we're talking about he sneaks into that running back two, like middle to high end running back two. And depending on how long Robinson's out and how much Gibson disappoints, with 110 targets, he could easily be an RB1 in that top 12. And I don't think he finishes lower than like probably RB eighteen this season. That is, and you can those, that those is absurd. Nice. It is that not is an absurd. absurd amount of okay. This is a bad so, team. It's, Ron Rivera okay. knows they have to run the ball. Okay, so okay, Look, I'm just gonna break down a little bit. I'm just gonna break down a little bit what, what you said, Nate. One, this is gonna be a bad team led by a bad quarterback. I don't want invested in a bad team and a bad quarterback to begin with. Two. Jahan Dotson is a volume hog. He might see more targets than Terry McLaurin. Terry McLaurin's going to see a lot he of might. targets. I I just I think you're like a, a little like and if they want to rush the ball, I don't think they're doing it with JD McKissick. I think Gibson's Gibson's going to get a lot, you know, we might see 15 plus rushing attempts early on here without B-Rob. Um 
God bless his soul, D-Rob, geez. Um, but, man, I, 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 I think you're smoking something on this one. Uh, Jen, can you defend your husband? He's going all in on a commander this year. He loves those mediocre offenses, man. No, obviously I can't. <laughs> Jen's not going I can't. down with you. I, no, no. I mean, he does have a, somewhat of a valid argument, but <laughs> I just, I can't, I can't, I can't hype anything that Carson Wentz is a part of. Thank you. And that is fair, but I'm, what I'm, st- okay. Yep. First of all, What's first of all, first of all, the Antonio <laughs> Gibson decline and hate has gotten out of control, um, in my opinion out of control. Like the fact that he took some kick returns in the preseason does not mean he is now the kick returner and is not doing anything else. I mean, hell, he could eat into McKissick's passing down work because he's a receiver by, you know, by trade. Um, if Brian Ryan, and I mean, it, it's, it's, you know, it's rough to talk about this because it's very unfortunate what happened to Brian Robinson. He had been named the starter, but if he misses time, it's, you know, Antonio Gibson, regardless of his fumbles and regardless of the massive amount of anti-hype that has gone his way in the last month, he is still going to be the preference for between the tackle running over McKissick. McKissick's never done that. Gibson has, you know, I mean, say what you will about Gibson, you know, like what his future is, but you know, I said it last podcast fourth in the league in carries last year. So he has done it. McKissick has not. I don't think they're all of a sudden going to give an almost 30 year old running back all the between the tackles work too. I think I don't think we'll get all of it. I just think I think Gibson is going to have a much bigger role in this offense than what seemingly the majority of people now think um, because he's had a bad preseason. That's all I'm saying. Nate, we're sorry to tear you down, brother. We know it's you. fine because I know we, I'm I know I'm right. We, so we, we love you. This is your one chance to bank on a player, and there's so many exciting players in the NFL, and you go with you know the 30 year old scat back. Former Seahawk, JD. <laughs> there we go. And smooches, baby. Old smooches. I like hey, I like the moxie of this pick, man. I like I, it. I, I, I mean, dude, I it disagree. Take... I disagree, but I like it. Listen. Dude, if we play it safe, that is just boring. What this pick is doing for Nate is he is taking his nutsack. He is throwing it on his computer chair and his computer desk right now for the world to see it. JD McKissick, his first all-in of the night. Ballsy, could but could it be brilliant? We shall see. Jen, can you restore order to the poll vote name here? Last season, it was your first time picking all-ins. It did not maybe go necessarily the way you wanted. Injuries, though, got the best of you. We went all-in on Ryan Fitzpatrick. QB 71 after, after what? One drive, I think, he played the entire season. So, unfortunate luck there. Darren Waller dealt with a very strange injury last season as well. So, we couldn't really tell if that panned out. Um, how are you feeling coming into this? And uh, who is your first all in as well, Jennifer? You know, I, I still stand by my, my Fitzy pick. If he could have stayed healthy, I think he could have done something. Um, like you said, all hopes and dreams were dashed because as a true all in, I had him everywhere. So uh, broke my heart beginning of the season last year and, and Darren Waller, you know, like you said, with, with injury, I'm sticking with him again this year as my all-in. He just re-signed a deal with Las Vegas. Um, if you look at him in 2020, he had a career year with almost 1,200 yards and nine touchdowns. And last year, not so great. I mean, he did play 11 of the 17 games, but um, he was just 
he was at like 75%, but this year he's back. He's renewed. He's we've still got quarterback consistency there in Las Vegas. So I'm happy with staying all in on, on Darren Waller this year. Again, I'm excited. Jen, I, I like, you know, we talk about Nate having some moxie coming out, throwing JD McKissick out there, going back on in on Darren Waller, especially after being, you know, a little bit burned last season, take some guts. He's tight end five right now on ESPN uh, draft boards. So, you know, I think the biggest argument you can make for Darren Waller is he's going to see less double teams now. Devontae Adams is in town. He, yeah. he, I'm, I'm thinking maybe positive regression um, comes in the touchdown department inside the red zone as well. Um, this is a little bit of a crowded offense. Scott, are, are you supporting Jen here with her all-in pick of Darren Waller? Yeah, I mean, I think – I think if Waller stays healthy, I, I I just, I have this feeling that the Raiders offense is going to go kind of berserk this year. Mm -hmm. Um, I think it's, you know, it's the best team Derek Carr's ever had best weapons he's ever had. Um, he's always been, I always say it. He's always been like so so close to that 20 plus fantasy points a game. Like he's always just like, Oh, he got two touchdowns, but he didn't get the third, you know, like Mm -hmm. always this, like just almost there. And I think he could take a step forward this year. And I agree. I think, I mean, it's going to be a combination of, you know, target distribution is going to affect Waller. He's not just going to, he's not going to be the main focal point like he has been. But when I was projecting the Raiders out, I did a, I wrote an article about Devonte Adams, just looking at like, okay, you know, what has been their target share to the tight end, to the wide receiver, to the running back, you know, what's been the overall target share, who's gotten what. And I still see a path to like 120, 130 targets for Waller, even if, Adam still gets his typical 140 plus. So I really think if if Waller stays healthy, I think he could smash. Yeah, and you know, I think the, the the intriguing thing about Waller this year is he costs a lot less. He's a fifth round pick in ESPN drafts. And it seems like all like there's no hype around Waller, there's no hype around Kittle. It's like if you don't get Kyle Pitts, people are like out on tight ends until the last round. And I much rather I have a lot of Waller, I have a lot of Kittle, just because they've been sitting there in kind of those mid tiers. I I rather pay for them than Mark Andrews at his price, and I rather pay for them than Kyle Pitts at his price. So careful, careful. Hey, I I I I know. Yeah, I know, I know. But uh, I I like it, Jen. I I also agree. I I think the Raiders are going to be better. The only thing we need to see from Derek Carr is that touchdown percentage to go up. Well, now he is maybe the best red zone receiver in the league to open up the rest of the offense. She's stamping it. Nate, are you in agreeable with your wife here? Yeah, I mean, Josh McDaniels is the head coach. We saw 120 targets to the tight end position last season in New England between Henter Henry and Johnny Smith. <clears throat> There's no yin to the yang for Darren Waller because Foster Moreau, let's be real, isn't remotely relevant in fantasy unless Darren Waller gets hurt. Darren Waller's a smash. I think he finishes the tight end too. Okay. Okay. Nate back in on Darren Waller as well, supporting his wife. I got your back, baby. Oh, <laughs> uh, he, he just got, he just got himself. Uh, he, I don't know what, I don't know what, but uh, Jen, you're going to take him out to a movie or something nice this weekend. I think after that, I, I'd love to bullet train. It's a yeah. date. What is bullet train? Who's in that? The new Brad Pitt. Okay. You guys are very caught up on your movies. I give you credit. You guys go to the movies at least what once or twice a month almost. Yeah, we try and go every week. I mean, I come from the movie background, so yeah, I've, I've always had interest in movies. So okay, it's a priority right. for me. 
Well, Scott, you are also a movie buff as well. You got Pulp Fantasy coming out tomorrow. Um, you and a, 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 I won't give it away, but a new co-host on the Special show. Co-host. Yeah. yeah. You gotta you gotta like and subscribe to to see who it is. No, you just gotta watch the YouTube video. Also, <laughs> there's a little little teaser. There's a pretty funny uh, kind of comp situation movie style to the Trey Lance Garoppolo situation. So awesome. You'll awesome. Like well, Scott, I like that. Am I going to like your all-in picks this year? Last year, I mean, you had some very unfortunate luck. It was your first year doing all-in picks as well. Chris Carson obviously uh, quickly falls out of favor there with the injury. The Seahawks eventually ends his career. He finishes RB73 last year. I jinxed him. And Robert Woods, man, you got the wrong Rams wide receiver. Wide receiver 44 for Woods after falling um, falling to injury. uh, Torn ACL for Woods. Now he's with the Titans. Can, but both of your all-ins aren't with their teams anymore, Scott. Um, can, can you have some better luck? Not not for yourself, not for our listeners, but for these players, my friend. Yeah, that was some rough luck last year. So my first all-in pick is I'm going to double down on Johnny Smith. Just kidding. That's just... <laughs> <laughs> He's no, back, my, baby! My first all-in is somebody that I've come around on, and like it's a pretty recent addition to my, like, hey, this is one of my guys now. Um, and it's Juju Smith-Schuster. Um, I think with Juju Smith-Schuster, it starts with, and what any fantasy analyst should do. I've listened to some people that have been doing this much longer than me and are much smarter. And I've listened to their take on the Juju Smith-Schuster situation, specifically JJ Zacharyson. And it just made sense. Um, his comp was now bear in mind, this isn't a direct comp. It's a situational comp, but his comp was, you know, the Cooper cup came out of nowhere, like, for the most part, he was, if you drafted him last year, you had such an advantage based on where you got him and what he did. Not saying Juju Smith-Schuster is going to do what Cooper Cup did. What I'm going to say is that he has a very similar situation as to Cooper Cup um, in that he's shown, you know, I mean, Juju has done it before. He has shown he can be a top receiver in this league. And he also, much like Cooper Cup had last year, is in the middle of a massive quarterback upgrade going to Kansas City um, with Pat with Patrick Mahomes. And I'm not super worried about the switching teams, to be honest. I mean, Juju's a veteran at this point. Um, he's a professional, and we've seen it with Diggs. You know, I think we're going to see it with Tyreek this year. I don't think that's as much of a, a, a knock on, on people as it may, maybe once was. But, I mean, I think he's going to be the number one wide receiver for Patrick Mahomes this year. And a, a knock on Juju in the past has been like, well, when Antonio Brown left and Juju was the guy, he couldn't, you know, he he, he – he couldn't succeed in that in that alpha role. Well, Travis Kelsey, I think, is the number one target in Kansas City still. And I think Juju's getting overlooked. I think where he's going in drafts, he just, to me, when you're looking through uh, for like, okay, who's the next Cooper Cup? Who's the next Debo Samuel? Who are these guys you can get a little bit later that have that chance? You know, you don't, you don't, you don't have a perfect field map to it, but, you know, they, they have a situation in place where they could you know, you could look back and be like, oh man, how did he get drafted that late? I think that could be Juju this year. So I like it. I like it, Scott. And, and, you know, it makes sense. Like uh, sometimes I think we overcomplicate fantasy football. This was a, once a very good wide receiver. He's had a couple down years to injury, some poor QB play over the years from big Ben. We love big Ben though. You know, we think about you still big Ben. I'll miss you out there this year, but we're moving forward. Sorry. Sorry. Big Ben rant. Um, but no, I, I agree. He's improving quarterback play here. 
This is it's as simple as that. He, he might be the you know number one wide receiver, number two option here um, for the Chiefs. I have nothing else to say on Juju, Jen or Nate. Any any dispute, any backup here? Because I, I think Scott, you laid it out perfectly, my friend. Yeah, I, I have nothing else to say. Okay, okay, fair enough. Well, guys, we'll go to my first all in of the night. And my all-in history goes back a little bit farther than your guys's. In 2018, I actually was all-in on Juju. That was his breakout season. He was wide receiver eight. Adam Thielen was my other all-in at wide receiver seven. 2019, I came back not as good. I went all-in on Tyler Boyd, James Conner. Boyd was okay. Conner, of course, got hurt. That was kind of his worst year of his career. I've kind of always stayed away from Steelers after that year. Uh, 2020 came back in, though. And, you know, 2020 was such a weird year with the COVID. And I honestly absolutely missed on Zach Ertz that year. I can't, I don't think I can deny it. He was tight end 31. I went all in on him. Calvin Ridley was my saving grace that year. Wide receiver five. I took Calvin Ridley everywhere, guys. I have him in so many dynasty and keeper leagues. And, you know, it's a sad day. You were just um, like a, um, James Conner and Zach Ertz. You were just like a year off. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Just a year off. And, and you know, that happens a lot of the time. Yeah. Um, last year, was just another year. Like I feel like last year was really hard for all ins because we couldn't really tell if we were right or not. Because T.J. Hawkinson started out the year fire, you know, a top five tight end through most of the season, got hurt, finished the tight end thirteen, and then Dave Montgomery. He was an RB one on points per game basis, but RB twenty ultimately fell down with that that MCL. Um, Khalil Herbert obviously helped if you were able to pick him up for a couple weeks last year. Uh, I like, I mean, like the first two names you rattled off were both top 10, 10 top 10 guys. That's those are hits. Yeah. It's been I probably, if, if I had been on the podcast with you, I probably would have put up a little bit of fight about Tyler Boyd, but I don't think yeah. the year James Conner, the year you picked him, I was high on James Conner that year. I think I was also high on Zach Ertz that year. So, and I mean, I was high on Calvin Ridley till all this stuff happened. So I don't have a lot of problems with, with, with your picks and you hit right. on you. Hit, and yeah, like you said, last year with Montgomery, he ended up being, I think the, PPR points per game RB 14 after all right. is said and done or something like that. Right. Um, he's another guy that just the, the least sexy running back you could ever pick onto your team. Doesn't feel good. And because of that, I think he slides and falls and everybody kind of craps on him. But I don't know. He gets that volume. Yeah. And another running back who gets that volume is one of my all-in picks tonight. And I just want to set the scene a little bit, guys. Like, I really think the fantasy football landscape has changed over the last couple of years. I used to always want to spend up for an RB and looking around my redraft, my keepers teams this year, the ones I like the most is, are the ones I didn't take an RB till the third or fourth round. Um, and this RB plays perfectly into that strategy. He, he's an RB two on an elite offense and uh, they have subpar receivers. So good offense, bad receivers. They need to use him over 187 carries last year, over 800 yards rushing. And those aren't the normal numbers for a running back who is the second RB on his team. But that is what you get here with A.J. Dillon. Um, he's also a better receiver, three point, uh, or 93.2% uh, career catch rate for him and 9.3 yards uh, per reception. So he's a better receiver than we think too, guys. And all I'll say is like, this is a guy who finishes RB 23 on a team that didn't need him as much because they had Devonte Adams. Well, they need him now. And he's somehow going RB 34 in ESPN drafts. So I think he's a slam dunk. I want him as my RB two in almost all drafts and get him around 
a sixth, seventh round price, sometimes later in drafts. Um, so guys, I am all in on AJ Dillon um, on a more uh, on a more hero RB strategy here in 2022. I agree, man. AJ Dillon, this is his trajectory, in my opinion. I mean, he already passed Aaron Jones last year as far as carries. Um, and he had more targets and receptions than you think, because all you think of yeah. Aaron Jones, who, I mean, Aaron Jones with their receiver room this year, Aaron Jones could catch 90 balls. Like it could be an insane year for Aaron Jones, but I still think, I think Dylan, Dylan is the traditional running back of that team right now. He's the early down back and he can also catch passes. I think, you know, like I said, he out carried, I think Jones still potentially out touched him um, mm-hmm. slightly, but it, it, it got more towards even. And I think, I think AJ Dillon is a great pick where he's going right now. I think, you know, if you, if you're, if you're loading up on a few wide receivers or, or stud tight ends early, ending up with him as your RB two. Appreciate that. Appreciate the support there, Scott. Um, Jen, Nate, I want to hear you guys' rebuttal, but we do have a guest who's going to be on with us here very shortly after we get through our all in picks. Um, I want to hear his all in picks as well. Then we're going to do a little promotion for what he's got going on, but let's go ahead and we're just going to kind of go through the rest of our all ins here. Um, sticking with my all-ins jerry judy is my second one here guys and this is another one i don't think we should overcomplicate. he's a good wide receiver he has a good qb coming transitioning into the offense and improved quarter or improved offensive coordinator nathaniel hackett comes over he's going to be calling plays and i know like the big thing nate we had a big debate about this earlier this season the reason you were off judy a couple months ago was because of tim patrick playing a lot of that outside two wide receiver set role However, there is no Tim Patrick, guys. Um, and Jerry Judy is a player that Russell Wilson has probably never really played with throughout his career. Um, number one in yards per, of separation per route ran last season. So he gets open more than any other receiver on his routes. I think Russell Wilson will be able to connect some dots with him that Drew Locke, Teddy Bridgewater, and company could not over the last two seasons. I want a player on good offenses, guys. And that's what it comes down here uh, with Jerry Judy. I have him projected as a wide receiver one. I know that sounds crazy, um, but every time I went back and tried to change it, I just couldn't. I think between him and Sutton, they're going to see 280 targets combined. It's just who do you think is getting more? And I think with with uh, with Judy also being able to work out of the slot, that he's going to get more targets than Sutton. I still like Sutton. I have Sutton as a high-end wide receiver too. But Jerry Judy, guys, I, I think he has the Cooper Cup potential that we're looking for this year. I'm all in, and I don't care who knows. I'm all in on Russell Wilson. I'm all in on the Broncos to begin with. I'm, I'm laying my, my money at Jerry Judy's feet, baby. Real quick, can I, I, I just want to say one thing real quick. Um, I want to say to Brad in the chat, I super appreciate Brad just in, in general. He's been He's been feisty with us tonight, and I like it. I've seen, you know, he's been kind of pushing back on some of our stuff, and I like that. We don't well, he sent me a text that said you guys are dumb and he agrees with me and I'm better than all of you. So yeah, that just, sounds so like Brad. just so that we're sounds clear. Like, that sounds like vintage Brad. Yeah, just yeah. so we're clear. No, but I, I just I appreciate that. Like I just wanted to give a little me quick too. shout out to Brad. Brad's my boy. I love that dude. Okay, I'm gonna go on to mine real quick just because I yep. agree with yep. Seth mostly. We'll argue in private. I don't want to embarrass you on the show. Um, <laughs> I, I've been taking shots with you all night, buddy. It's all right. Though. I know. It's fine. Well, I'm about to take one on you. You need yes. to get your head out of your ass and pay attention That's to Cole Komet, son. Damn right. Sword out Look, tonight. he was the tight end 21 last season without a touchdown on an absolute mess of an offense. A mess of an offense. Justin Fields was running for his life half the time. 
running for his life because Nagy couldn't even scheme to get him outside of the pocket because Nagy was a terrible coach. This was a terrible offense. And it wasn't Justin Fields. It was Andy Dalton, who is like one of the most vanilla quarterbacks you will ever see. Cole Komet is a guy who has the upside because he's the target number two in this offense. Make no mistake about it. What, it's going to be Equinomia St. Brown or Byron Pringle? Velas Jones? No, it's Darnell Mooney. It's Cole Komet. Those are the two guys that Justin Fields is going to feed. The Bears are going to be absolutely terrible. This is going to be an awful well, team. Why do you want to take They might not even – because, dude, because they're a bad team does not mean that they don't have fantasy relevance. But- Justin Fields has to throw the ball somewhere. and He's going to be throwing it a lot because apparently David Montgomery is has been dinged up. We've got Khalil Hilbert who's a good pass-catching back. Cole Komet is a guy who could finish as a top-five tight end this season. Nate turned his – he's – Come around on Kirk Cousins. Seth, is this the night that you're going to finally come around on Cole Listen, Komet? no. Listen. Not you're on, on take lock with this guy, if, man. If you wanted to say, yeah, Komet's my sleeper, whatever, that's okay, Nate. But we can't. I cannot invest, especially an all-in selection, on a poor offense that I think the Bears are going to be absolutely absolutely atrocious. And, and, like, Nate, all those things didn't change. Their offensive line did not get better. Justin Fields. What do you mean? They signed Alex Leatherwood today. Right. Yeah. Okay. Oh, wow. yeah. So, like, their offensive line didn't get better. Their the rest of their team did not get better. I would argue their offensive coordinator did not get better. I I, I liked Matt Nagy. Like I, I Matt Nagy wasn't great, but I, I can't trust Luke Fickle. I can't trust. I can't trust Dan Eberflus. First first time head coach. Sure. Oh, sure. Oh, nothing to do with the Bears. And and Nate, I get it. He he didn't. He's due for some positive touchdown regression. Absolutely. However, he also saw like. 90 plus targets which is rare for a tight end and and he was still tight end 21 so he's gonna see even but he didn't have a touchdown and he was playing in an offense that couldn't get him quality targets this is going to be a different season yeah i mean i think that i think the issue nate hit on it i think whatever you feel about matt nagy you know they've already shown in the preseason that they've got packages at least in place that getting justin fields in space they didn't do that with him last year they left him out to die out there they didn't design plays around yes. his skill set. And so, I mean, I agree. It's a bad team. And, you know, it's a fair point, maybe with an all-in, somebody on a bad team. But, like, bad teams breed good value in fantasy because people see that bad team, bad offense, and they just think, okay, no fantasy relevance whatsoever. But I'm high on Komet, and I am high on Darnell Mooney this year. But I also think Justin Fields is a good quarterback. And so that kind of is the precursor to all of it. And it seems that Seth thinks that there is no improvement whatsoever coming from Mr. Fields. Um, but we'll see. It's tough. It's tough, guys. Um, before we move on, we, we still have a couple all-ins to give. Jen has one. Scott has one. I think they'll be a little less controversial than Nate. But I do want to intro our guest for tonight. He's joining us um, from the great state of Texas. This is a man who has become one of our best friends in the industry, honestly. The guy is not only a talented analyst, he is a great philanthropist and an overall kind human being. I'm talking about Pros and Joe's founder. He called himself the co-founder, but his other co-founder actually ditched him, um, ghosted him. Um, so, uh, so he is well, now... Well, he's in a band. It's Rob Thomas. What do you expect? Oh, yeah. yeah he Rob... disappeared. He, he disappeared. disappeared. Rob Thomas, yes. I'm talking about the great, the wonderful, the kind, the one and only Eric Romoff. Hey, Eric! Hey. What's going on, gang? Hey, I was, I was just, just texting uh, with you. 
I was just sitting backstage texting Nate pointers on how to smash down all of your Colcomet takes. <laughs> Eric, it's true. He was. Eric, I, I need to hear it from you, man. What, what, what can you tell me? Like, what am I missing here? Because, again, this is our all-in episode, man. You're laying your, your reputation as an analyst down here. And I got Nate going in on J.D. McKissick and Cole Komet over here. Well, I mean, with with J.D. McKissick and with, with Nate point, Nate's point, he said that he's going to catch 110 passes. Like, any running back who catches 110 passes is probably going to be an RB1, right? So if you trust your projections and that's where you've got him, it's not all that spicy a take. With uh, with Cole Komet, it's not that I necessarily think that he's going to explode, but all of the counterpoints that you made on Cole Komet, you can make the exact same counterpoints about Kyle Pitts. Saw a ton of targets, did not get into the end zone enough, horrible offensive line, an offense that is going to be one of the worst in the league. So if if we're if we're all excited about this positive regression for uh, for Pitts' case, you can at least make a similar argument for Komet. And I think it's kind of weird that you're like a closet naggy guy, but there were games that they had Justin Fields. <laughs> hey, man, welcome like to the playoffs. Well, like, buddy, that's all I'm Where's Matt Nagy? Oh, he's in Seth's closet. Well, <laughs> oh took him to the playoffs twice. Sorry. Sorry, not sorry, baby. I mean, yeah, I if, mean... if nothing else, Justin Fields had several games with less than 15 pass attempts, more than one. So this, this passing volume is going to go up. I don't think Cole Komet's going to be like a top five guy or anything, but I do think that he's going to have a markedly better season this year than he did last. All right, Eric. All right. All right. I'll... Eric well, can sell you on him. Yeah. No. I see where no, I No, I'm land. still not sold Fine. on him. I'm just being yeah. kind to our guest here. Yeah. I'm just... <laughs> and for the sake of our audience, who also has to go through and chop out me ranting on Cole Komet for hours upon hours. <laughs> Eric, it's great to have you in tonight, man. We're going to talk a little more about pros and Joes and what you have going on over there in just a little bit. Scott, I know you, I think I, I look, I peeked a little bit. I, I know where yeah, this I is Yeah, I mean, you got to go. This is the ultimate transition. Yeah. So let's point. go ahead. Let's, let's go over to Scotty for, uh, for your next all in here. Okay. Bud. So my, my second all in pick, it's a little bit chalky, but this was, this is a little bit more putting my, Money where my mouth is, or mouth where my money is, however that goes. This I've I've noticed now across if you count redraft and dynasty, this particular player is probably my highest rostered player at this point. And it's none other than terrible, terrible, terrible offense. Very, very, very good tight end Kyle Pitts. So a very smooth, seamless transition from talking about Cole Clint. I will say a counterpoint to the counterpoint of the counterpoint. Um, there is one difference between Kyle. Pitts and Cole Komet situation. Kyle Pitts is a much better player, yes. but I do. I agree. I agree that like, you know, it, it, it is a similar situation with regression on bad teams. I, so like I said, part of this all in is because I've been drafting him more than pretty much any other player. So I'm all in and I'm all in, in a literal sense. Um, and second, just what I'm project, even on a bad offense, even whether it's Mariota or whoever's throwing him the ball, um, he is just to me a special talent. Um, I think, I mean, they're already talking about changing his fantasy position eligibility, you know, after one or two years to a wide receiver, which would suck. But, um, you know, and you, you've got the typical statistics, you know, you, over 100 targets as a rookie. There's only, he's the third person to do that since 2000, 2001. He's only the third rookie to ever go over 100 targets, you know. Going back also to 2001, if you look at tight ends that have gotten 100 targets and 1,000 yards, his TD percentage of 0.9% is 
a complete anomaly at the very bottom of that list. The closest person to him was Jason Witten, 2012 at 2%, who wasn't a big, huge touchdown guy necessarily. So those touchdowns are going to come. And he is just, there's, I just don't think there's anybody that can cover him. Um, I just don't think where he lines up on the field. I mean, there's going to, you know, they're going to have to shift corners on him. You know, I just think he's such a, he's such an advantage. He's such an advantage at that position that I just, you know, people want to talk about his rookie season. Well, yeah, he had these numbers, but what did it really do for your fantasy team? Blah, blah, blah. Whatever. I'm not really looking at, 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 you know, he didn't smash and win your league last year, but I think he very well could this year. I mean, you're investing in it. You're investing in it, man. You're investing in it. I mean, I am. he's going end of round three, 35.8 overall and here in ESPN could, live drafts. Real quick, I am I am on deck in the Scott Fish Des Bryant brand new fantasy league thing. I am on deck with the second last pick of the second round. So I was the first overall. And if he's still there, I'm taking pits. Is this uh this is this any type of premium league, Scott? No. No, uh, this I is think like I, the most standard of redraft. I think you're going Kyle Pitts premium, hard. baby. It's Kyle Pitts premium. All right, all right. I, I got nothing, man. I mean, I, I have questions, <laughs> but but I still, you know, I'm okay. I'm okay with I the like pick. It. I love the talent, Scott. It's just like, I think if Desmond Ritter's the quarterback, I like it a little better. I love what I've seen out of Ritter. Are you just okay? You're just okay. You're willing to take whatever quarterback comes by yep. for Atlanta? Then I am. I am. Mm-hmm. I think, okay. I mean, Mariota gets shit thrown his way. He hasn't been that great of a quarterback, but like he's a competent quarterback. And I just think that's all it takes with Pitts. Fair enough. Fair enough. Jen, round us out here, my friend. Um, you already went back in on Waller. So, you know, you're, you're taking him twice in a row. Who is your second all in here for 2022? Laying it out on the line, not just for you, not just for the poll vote name. But for in between media sake, Jennifer, <laughs> who do you have here as your second all in of 2022? I'm going T Higgins. And while yes. this might be not so controversial, I'm saying it because I'm, if I miss out on Jamar Chase, who absolutely should be drafted in the first round, you know, second round, first part of the second round. Um, T Higgins has an outstanding value. I mean, based on their ADP values alone, um, Chase is going at eight, Higgins is 32. And I think that that's an incredible value for him, especially because he has a 26% red zone share over Jamar Chase, who had a 20% last year. Um, And Higgins played 7% fewer snaps and had a higher target share. So I just feel like the value of him at 32, grab him sooner. Grab him sooner. I mean, he's just a value that cannot be overlooked. I I love it, Jen. And, you know, it's hard to project two wide receivers on the same team as wide receivers ones. But in my projections, T. Higgins is a borderline top top 12 guy again for me. So, uh I love what you're saying. Even in a lot of leagues, I've seen him fall as far as the end of the third round. And I don't know what, I don't know what exactly it is. I mean, this is a team that just went to the Super Bowl, but I like Jen's. I like Jen's all ins this year. I'm with, I'm with Jenny. Okay, good. I'm with with Jenny. Uh, (laughs) Anyone have thoughts on Jenny's last uh, all in here? Mr. You're going to be dead. If you ever call her Jenny again, not by me, by just by her. No, he's the only one to allow it. Is he allowed? 
Okay, yeah, so you're allowed. Never one. mind. You're fine. You're fine. Yeah. Do you call her Jenny? Oh my Whatever. god, no! I did. I had an ex girlfriend named Jenny, so I'm not uh, gonna call her Jenny. Okay. <laughs> fair enough. Fair enough. That would be weird. <laughs> he calls. He calls me Jimmy, so it's cool. I do call you Jim. Jimmy. Yeah. But it's yeah. A term call of endearment. Jim. You explain. You explain to me calling people Jimmy is a term of endearment. Yes, it is. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. Everyone has a little bit of Jimmy in them if they're good people. If they're not good people, they don't have any Jim in them. Family show. Well, (laughs) Jen, I appreciate your all-ins here, guys. I appreciate all of your all-ins. Eric, do you have an all-in or two for us um, before we talk a little bit about pros and Joes? Yeah, I've uh, I've got a few. I guess mine are a bit more uh, practical in terms of the players that I have rostered more than anyone else. Uh, My first one is a bit earlier – but DK Metcalf, a guy that's going okay. into the 50s now over the last couple yep. of weeks in ADP, um, an absolute freak of nature, uh, a player who in the four games where Geno Smith started last season was yep. wide receiver four on average, yes. 19.6 points. Geno Smith is going to be the worst case scenario for him this year. So to get him essentially as like a rough, you know, roughly a wide receiver three is absolutely insane i think part of the reason why i'm getting i'm finding myself with a lot of dk metcalf is in rounds like two through four i find myself with a lot of like the kind of safer volume type of guys mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. uh brandon cooks keenan allen um like a james connor right like people that don't quite have the upside that i would like so on the way back around i love shooting for the upside and adding dk metcalf usually near my wide receiver three Yep, I love, I love this pick. Like he's another guy that's been just—he's been faded too far. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it, you know, it, to me, it's a—it's 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 a similar logic to Kyle Pitts. It's like Metcalf is a freak of nature that's difficult to cover. If once he, you know, and he's still a young dude and he's had some issues mentally, but you know, Geno Smith, another competent quarterback. You know, yeah, it'd be great to watch DK Metcalf catch passes for Patrick Mahomes, and we could all call him the wide receiver one, but things aren't that simple. And so getting him where he's going, I did a mock draft with the FYF crew the other day, and I started off like CMC, Pitts, Swift. I was going like heavy that way and ended up with DK as my wide receiver one in kind of a zero wide receiver build. And I was like in like the fifth round. It's like, yes, all day long. Yeah, I like it. And last year, um, the five games that Geno Smith started, all five of his touchdowns went to DK. So that's not a bad combination. He had five. He caught all five. There's definitely a connection there. And and like Geno Smith kind of has a cannon on him. Like, let's not forget about that. I mean, he's always kind of struggled a little bit with accuracy issues, decision-making issues, um, but he does have a cannon. And we've we've seen that since he was a Mountaineer um, down there in good old uh, Morgantown. So, I like it, Eric. I've also kind of been hot on DK. Um, and any other final ones for us here? Yeah, un- unlike DK, the next name that I'll mention is someone whose uh, ADP is rising a bit over the last couple of days, really, but it's still way down there in Freetown. And that's Raheem Mostert. Uh, we obviously saw Sony Michelle shipped out when they trimmed down their roster. Um, I've I've been on Mostert for a while, mainly because he's free, but also you think about what this Shanahan offense can present for running backs. Obviously, that's what Mike McDaniel is going to run uh, now that he is in Miami. Raheem Mostert knows this offense. 
He is an absolute track star. If you go into next-gen stats every single year, he's always in the top 10 in uh, fastest clocked speed in a live game action. So if he gets the ball into his hands, he can he can break one. He can look electric and dynamic on the fields. And because of his familiarity in the offense, I think that his likelihood is much higher, especially at the beginning of the season, to get a bit more opportunity. So more opportunity, more chances to show that explosive upside. And I think if that happens, he can actually take the better side of the split in this Miami backfield. Okay. A little Colonel Mustard action from Eric. I like it. I like it. I, I don't have a problem with it. Like he's definitely a late round target. You get down into the, you know, RB 50 zone. There isn't much to like there. I was always a little hesitant because of Sony Michelle, no Michelle, um, possibly no problem for Raheem Mostert there. I, I like those picks, Eric. Those are definitely like ones I, I was not expecting to hear tonight. So I appreciate that. Like to keep you guessing. Yeah. You I like go. that. I like that pick too. That's, that's a, like kind of a deep pull, but, Mostert's one of those guys, like when he's been healthy, man, he's freaking explosive. Um, and he's just an easy guy to root for. He, you know, another one of those 49ers undrafted gems that they found. Um, yep. So, yeah, I mean, Mostert, Edmonds could be, for the mess that that backfield has looked like it's going to be all offseason. We're getting some clarity. Could be decent. Could be yeah. decent. Yep. We are getting some clarity. That is for sure. Eric, can you give us a little more clarity on Pros with Joes? This is your philanth- uh, philanthropy. E- I can't even say that word half the time. I apologize. <laughs> I'm, I, I hit it once this show, and I should have not even tried to say it a second time. But, you know, I always got to try for more. So, Eric, this is your charity event. Um, Jen, Nate, myself, we're all involved with it this year. We we're very fortunate and thankful to be a part of it. I know a lot of our IBT family members are hoping to play in it as well. So take it away. What is Pros with Joe's? How can people get involved and how can we help you, our friend? Yeah, this is our philanthropic endeavor. I will not say those words again because <laughs> I also trip over them all the time. Uh, Pros with Joe's, we are a charity fantasy football league. We are heading into our third season. We have 56 pros from across the industry, IBT well represented among them. Um, what's different about our construct um, as opposed to pitting everyday players against industry experts like you see in a lot of listener leagues or charity leagues we're we're bringing we're bringing people together so all 56 of our teams are a pair of co-managers a fantasy pro and a joe an everyday player who donated to that pros charity in order for a chance to win their way into the league so 112 deep this year um it always ends up being a ton of fun and one of the things that i really appreciate is that Every single one of our pros is playing for a charity that they handpicked. So we've got 56 pros. We have 49 different charities that they are representing across the lot. And every single one of them is a cause that is important and near and dear to them. So I love hearing those stories. I I love learning more about uh, everyone's lived experience and kind of what drove them to make those selections. Uh, Like I said, always ends up being a ton of fun. And we, uh, we get to raise a lot of money for a number of different causes. I love it. And, and Eric, where people can get involved with this, is it proswithjoes.com slash donate? Is that correct? Yeah. Or if you want to make it even shorter, proswithjoes.com. Um, that'll take you to our registration page. You can find our donation page there. Slash donate is definitely uh, the, the, the direct way to get there. You can see all 56 of our pros. You can donate to as few or as many as you like. Uh, there's no minimum donation. Every dollar that you donate 
gets you an entry into the drawing for that particular pro. So 10 bucks, 10 entries, one buck, one entry, uh, whatever you can spare, right? You probably won't miss it. You should feel pretty good about yourself for doing it. And maybe you'll win your way in. Fantastic, man. No, and it's a great story too. We actually had you on earlier in the off season. We got to hear a little bit of the story behind this. You wanted to get involved and your co-founder actually ghosted you like, what pretty pretty shortly into uh the, the first season yeah it was like uh it was like one or two weeks in basically like we finished up the drafts in year one and then uh it became a solo mission <laughs> it, that was that has to be one of my favorite podcasts ever you're telling us this story and the guy's name's rob rob thomas and we're like where is rob thomas you know like <laughs> it, it became you know we put out a search for him the episode was titled that everything and have you heard from Rob? Have you heard from Rob since that episode? Did, did he get the message? I I have not. We will we will continue to fire up the bat signal every night, and I'll stand <laughs> alone in the rain like Commissioner Gordon, waiting for him to answer the call. Well, there you go, man. There you go, Eric. We appreciate the work, man. I'm so happy to be involved. I'm playing for 826 National this year. Um, that's kind of our IBT charity here. Um, helps donate to uh, young writers, youth writers across the country. Nate, I believe you're involved with it as well. I am. I am playing for the Innocence Project this season. Uh, far too many hundreds of thousands of people in this country are incarcerated for crimes they either didn't commit or should have never been put in prison for. And it's disproportionately minorities and people of color. And I think that this is just insanely wrong. And as a human being, I can't stand for it. So as much money as I can earn for these people who are basically pro bono, getting these people out of up to death penalty convictions right we're talking about people who are facing execution for crimes they never committed because they were framed by police anytime i can earn money for them i will do it so i mean i'm stoked i I love co-managing teams jen and i co-manage a few it's fun and it's nice to co-manage with someone who donates and wants to be a part of your team an opportunity to meet more people yes friends absolutely I'm excited for that. Hopefully uh, I meet a new friend, uh, you know, the co-manager of my team. Hopefully it's not Scott. Scott, don't, uh, uh, you know, I'll take all the donation. I just don't want to co-manage with Scott because I'm getting like Kyle Pitts in the second round. I don't want to do that. <laughs> Could you imagine if you had to co-manage with me? And I'm like, just get Cole hey, Command now. Hey, I, I will I'm never the, co-manage with I'm you. I'm at the 2-3 no. turn. I'm going to take him in the third round. Okay. 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 I, 3-0-1. I can, okay. I can – I can feel a little better about it. Still not hey, on I'm it. actually, real quick, I'm on the clock. Should I go for a receiver? Should I go Evans, Tyreek, or Debo? Debo for me. Second it. I'm, I'm in on Debo. Yeah, Debo's I love up. Debo. Big Debo fan. I think he's going to go off with Lance, but he provides that, like, safe target for Lance. All right, I'm doing it. I'm doing it. Je- Jen, you, you are also playing in with uh, with uh, with pros and Joes this year. Um, what is your charity? Animal Hope and Wellness. Um, what makes that foundation more unique is that they focus on the um, Asian dog trade, where oh, basically wow. okay. in Korea, most specifically, their belief, not everybody's belief, but there is a belief that the more neglected, abused, and tortured an animal is, the better they will taste for a meal. Um, So one of their biggest missions is to go and rescue these animals and bring them to the United States and Canada. And 
rehabilitate them and get them ready to be fostered and and um, and adopted out to people who truly love animals and want to care for them and be rescued and rescue at the same time. Wow. Wow. Okay. Well, thank you. Thank you for, you know, selecting that charity, Jen and Eric, just thank you for, you know, this cause, man, it is a very hard job you do running any, you know, commissioning any league, let alone, you know, doing the amount of leagues that you're doing and, you know, doing it all in the name of the charity, man. We can't thank you enough for that, Eric. Thank you. Yeah, absolutely. Yes, it's, thank um, you. The, the amount of work that you do to put into this with organization and getting all of us in line and it's a lot. Um, getting all of our information, what we're doing, what we're passionate about. I mean, it's just incredible what you're doing. Yeah, it's um, it's it's a labor of love. I, I end up having a lot of fun with it. Um, also, as you see... All of our 56 pros just know that I've yelled at them for things in their DMs over the <laughs> preceding weeks. Um, and the, the thing that I'll, I'll mention, uh, again, uh, proswithjoes.com, at proswithjoes on Twitter. I know I just asked you all to open up your wallets and give money. If you can and you're so inclined, obviously, that is a fantastic way to impact these organizations. If you're not in a position to do that, you don't feel comfortable with it, whatever it might be, go hit a retweet. Go share this in your home league, right? Like, uh, as we think about like the ability of these organizations uh, to effectuate change, a big part of that is awareness. So, a number of different ways to get involved: give of your money, give of your time, give of your platform, um, and we can do some good while we play this game that we love. Awesome. Well, Eric, we absolutely appreciate everything you do, not just with Pros and Joes, but for this entire community, man. You, you're a star in the making. Um, also want to just give a shout out to everyone listening tonight, man. Um, the IBT family chat has been popping. We cannot, you know, say thank you for your guys' support anymore. I mean, it, it's overwhelming. Just this family, every show they are back, whether it's this show, whether it's our cooking show, our NASCAR show, our golf show, these people show up. Um, DD, Royal Slade. Toronto Dave, Brad Bolt, um, so many people in, in the comments tonight. So we appreciate each of you guys. Mr. Scampers, um, I know I'm forgetting a couple of you guys. Scampers, but Al Albert. Yes, thank you. Thank you, guys. You. All of them. Yeah, absolutely. Um, this has been a blast. We've gone all in once again here at IBT Media, and we're going to go all in all throughout the season, baby. The podcast, we're going to be live Tuesday nights. We're going back to Tuesday nights, 930. So we can talk waiver wire, recap the week a little bit. And then guess what? We're giving you a double dose, baby. Nate and I are going to be live on an early Friday afternoon. Time still TBD. We're going to talk about this. Uh, some shifts have kind of been happening a little bit around the industry. We don't step on anyone's toes. We will make sure that we can get all our IBT family in here during those Friday shows as well. But, Nate, I'm thrilled to go two times a week with you, man. That now we just have to argue two times more, my friend. Oh, that's fine, though. I'm looking forward to it in season. I think this has been a long time coming. <clears throat> We've spent two years kind of like – figuring each other out and i feel like now we're ready to get engaged let's go mm -hmm. let's, let's go. go well guys we will be back in a little under a week from now we'll be back on tuesday night at 9 30 two days away from football at that point so make sure you guys are subscribed make sure you click that bell to know when we go live and make sure you guys donate to pros with joe's if you want to play with jen nate or i um again that's pros with joe's uh, dot com slash donate am i correct on that eric Nailed it. 
All right. Here we go, guys. We're taking you out. We'll be back here in a little under a week. Stay in between until then. Your destination for both some feel-good lifestyle advice and some fancy football advice. 